0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: B-A-B-A-L-E.
2: We really by Fish, and you a meme left control here on Troopy Toll Radio. And I get started with the lesson. The lesson is John MacArthur with Children of Darkness and Children of Light here on Trophy Toll Radio.
3: The following sermon is by John MacArthur, pastor, author, and Bible teacher with Grace to You. If you've never contacted Grace to You, we want to send you a free book by John called None Other: Discovering the God of the Bible. This detailed look at God's character can strengthen your trust in the Lord and deepen your love for Him. Request your free book by writing to noneother at gty.org. That's noneother at gty.org. The offer is good in North America and Europe through December 2018. And now, unleashing God's truth one verse at a time, here's grace to you Bible teacher John MacArthur.
4: For uh, our time this morning in the Word, I want you to go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. For those of you who may not have been with us recently, we are looking at the return of our Lord, the second coming of Jesus Christ, as seen by the Apostle Paul in his letters to the Thessalonians. We are in 1 Thessalonians. We started in chapter 4, verse 13. And uh, we're going to come down into chapter 5, verse 11, and finish this section on the return of our Lord. Uh, this uh, message this morning will take us into verses 4 to 11, but we won't be able to cover it all, so we'll, we'll finish up this section next week, and then subsequent to that, we'll go to 2 Thessalonians, where he has much more to say about the Lord's return now, the title of the message, as you may have noticed, is um, Night People, Day People. That is basically drawn from this text itself, as you will see when I read it in a few moments. Uh, however, it is interesting to me, doing a little bit of research on that, that there are many scientific studies, or at least they purport to be scientific, sort of scientific psychological studies, that look at the characteristics of people who are night people, or night owls, and people who are day people, who are early birds. It gets very psychological, but here is how, quote-unquote, psychologists characterize typically, generally, night people. Antisocial, temperamental, extravagant, more likely ADHD, whatever that is, addictive, have mental struggles, creative, less faithful, smarter, higher batting average, (laughs) bad habits, procrastination, frustration, difficulty, anxiety, and depression. Um, That's a pretty sad list, to be honest with you. If you're not playing baseball, there's no hope. On the other hand, day people are characterized typically by persistence, cooperation, agreeableness. They're proactive, conscientious, they get better grades, they're responsible, and they're perfectionists. That study was obviously written by a day person. (laughs) But I'm telling you, I'm going to go to bed at 6.30 from now on. The scientific studies even went so far as to say there are biological differences between people who are up late at night and those who get up early in the morning. Whatever that means, and be that as it may, spiritually speaking, there is a very great difference between day people and night people, a very great difference. And, in fact, the entire human race is divided into those two categories. You are either a day person or a night person. That is what the Apostle Paul is going to show us in the text before us. So let's go to chapter 5. I'll start reading at the beginning, and we'll read down to verse 11. Now as to the times and the epics, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that the day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light. And sons of day, we're not of night nor of darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep, do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you also are doing. Night people. Night people are associated with darkness, with sleep, and with drunkenness. Day people are associated with light, alertness, and soberness. Paul is making a very simple distinction between believers and non-believers. That's what this is. People who have received salvation and been given light and life in Christ, and people who have not and thus remain in darkness. Paul has written this for a specific purpose, and that is encouragement. Back in chapter 4 and verse 18, at the end of the chapter on the rapture of the church, which we learn says that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the snatching away of all believers from the earth. The Lord is going to descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. The bodies of dead saints are going to rise out of the grave to be joined with their spirits already with the Lord. And then we who are alive and remain are going to all be caught up into heaven to be with the Lord forever. That's the rapture of the church. In verse 18, Paul says, comfort one another with these words. He's giving this to comfort them. They had been told they were going to go in this event, the rapture. In fact, they knew about it. That's why in verse 1 of chapter 5, He says, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you, for you yourselves know full well. They had been well taught that the rapture was going to come and the Lord in the rapture is going to snatch believers out of this world. We saw that same promise in uh, John 14, and we saw that same promise in 1 Corinthians 15. But also... They were not only anxious for the rapture, that they were concerned as well about the day of the Lord because they had been taught about the day of the Lord. And we learned that the day of the Lord is a term that appears in the New Testament several times and many times in the Old Testament, and it refers to divine judgment, severe, cataclysmic, divine judgment from heaven. They had also been taught about the day of the Lord that there would be a day when man's day ended and it was the Lord's day. And it would be a day of judgment, a day of fire, a day of burning, a day of destruction across the face of the earth. It is laid out in detail, we know that, by some of the prophets, as well as our Lord in the sermon on the uh, on the hillside looking back at Jerusalem that we call the Olivet Discourse from the Mount of Olives. It is also laid out in very careful detail in the book of Revelation what the day of the Lord is going to be in terms of specific judgment. The Thessalonians were concerned about two things. One, the believers who died already, did they miss the rapture? And could it be possible that even the ones who were alive had missed the rapture, or the Lord had changed His mind about the sequence because they were being so severely persecuted that it might feel like they were in the day of the Lord. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if believers who haven't been taught a proper biblical understanding of the end times all over the world today might think they are in the day of the Lord. More Christians are being massacred today than any time in human history. So the Thessalonians wanted to know about whether dead Christians would be included in the rapture, and Paul in chapter 4, verses 13 to 18, said absolutely they will. Their bodies will be joined to their already glorified spirits, and then we who are alive and remain will all go to heaven to be with the Lord. And that's when we have the marriage supper of the Lamb, because the bride is complete and receive our rewards. And as far as the day of the Lord goes, you're not in the day of the Lord, because the day of the Lord is not for believers. That's the answer that Paul wants to give them. Don't fear that the saints who have died will be left out of the rapture, and don't fear that you might go into the day of the Lord. That is not going to happen. The point of these two lessons in eschatology is the same. Verse 18, comfort one another with these words. Verse 11, Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you also are doing. This is encouragement to the believers. Your future is secure. Your future should comfort you, encourage you, and strengthen you. So Paul has talked to them about the future, the rapture, the day of the Lord. And now he wants them to understand that the rapture is for the people of light, the children of the day. And the day of the Lord is for the people of night, the children of darkness. And so the contrast is between believers and non-believers, salvation and wrath, life and death, hope and no hope, day and night, darkness and light, being asleep, being awake, being drunk, being sober, being separated from God forever or being with the Lord forever. It is a very stark and crystal clear revelation that there are only two kinds of people in the world, people of the night and people of the day, children of darkness and children of light. It is so carefully and inescapably laid out that we cannot miss the point. Now he wants to encourage these believers in Thessalonica and us as well. So he's saying to us, don't fear. You will not be a part of judgment. That's really what they believed back in 1 Thessalonians 1:10. Paul said, "You are waiting for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. They didn't expect to be in the coming wrath, and certainly that includes eternal wrath, but it doesn't skip over eschatological wrath either. We have nothing to fear as believers about the future. Non-believers, everything to fear. Believers, nothing to fear. And he gives three reasons. Three reasons. Reason one, because of our nature, the distinctiveness of our nature. Reason number two, the distinctiveness of our behavior. And reason three, the distinctiveness of our promised destiny. We are distinct as to our nature. We are distinct as to our behavior. And we are distinct as to our future in the promise of God. So let's talk a little bit about the first one. He says you should be comforted looking ahead and understanding the judgment of God will come. It will come. It is called in verse 3, destruction. But you should be encouraged because of your nature. Let's look at verses 4 and 5. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that the day, the day of the Lord, would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. We don't have any part with the darkness. We don't have any part with the wrath of God. We don't have any part then with the day of the Lord. Notice how verse 4 begins. But you, brethren. Contrast that with the end of verse 3. They will not escape. Who are they? They are the ones saying peace and safety when destruction comes on them suddenly like labor pains on a woman with child. And they will not escape. The the day of the Lord, the judgment of God, comes on the unbelievers. But you, brethren, this is where the contrast begins, they shall not escape. You will. You are part of, of a different family. You are part of a different people. The contrast here, by the way, is emphatic and repeated all the way down through verse 7. Believers will never experience the wrath of God on them because they are people of a different nature. They belong to a different kingdom. Believers are not in darkness. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. The people just described as the target for the wrath of God in the day of the Lord are the people of the darkness. Verse 2 says, The Lord will come. He'll come like a thief and He'll come in the night. He comes to judge the night people. This refers to spiritual darkness, obviously. Spiritual darkness that characterizes and marks the very nature of unbelievers. It speaks of two things and there are two kinds of darkness laid out in the Bible, mental darkness and moral darkness. They're in the dark in terms of knowledge, and they're in the dark in terms of behavior. The world, left to itself, and all of us before we came to Christ, could be characterized as those people in the dark. We were night people. We were darkened in our minds to the truth and we were darkened in our behavior by the pervasive blackness of unrelieved wickedness described, as I read, in Romans 3. The darkness of the mind cuts them off from understanding the truth of God. The darkness of their conduct makes them rebels against God. Now, in John chapter 1, just to lay this out, By way of illustration, we read these familiar words, John 1, 5. The light shines in the darkness. That refers to Christ. He comes into the world. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it, did not overpower it. In fact, the darkness did not even respond to it. He was in the world. The world was made by Him. The world knew Him not. The light came. The darkness didn't embrace the light. Why? Why was Christ rejected? Over in chapter 3 of John, He says why. Verse 19, this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, but men loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. The light comes into the world. The world does not receive the light because, simply stated, they love the darkness. That is characteristic of sinful man. In the 8th chapter of John, again, this same theme comes from the lips of our Lord. I am the light of the world. He who follows Me will not walk in the darkness but will have the light of life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we read this speaking of the world The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So they have a natural fallen blindness, all of humanity. There is a pervasive darkness, and then they are double-blinded in their minds by the God of this world who is Satan. Thus, the darkness is profoundly deep. In Ephesians chapter 4, a couple of verses, verses 17 and 18, so helpful. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer as the nations walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding. That's the first kind of darkness. Darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. They are dark at the very depth of their comprehension, their mind. And as a result, they have become callous. And given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. The darkness of the mind shows up in the darkness of their behavior. Wickedness. In chapter 5 of Ephesians, we read in verse 8 You were formerly darkness. Now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Or verse 11. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead expose them. Once we were the children of darkness, and the children of wrath, and the children of Satan, but we have been delivered from the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of darkness, into the glorious light of the gospel kingdom. Jesus called Satan by this title, Luke 22:53. The power of darkness. The power of darkness. He sums up the power of darkness. He is the God of the darkness. He is the ruler of the darkness. He oversees the domain of darkness, the language of Colossians 1.13. When we were in that domain, Ephesians 6.12 says we were under the control of the spiritual forces of this darkness. And we were headed for eternal darkness, what 2 Peter 2.17 calls the black darkness that has been reserved forever, what our Lord referred to in Matthew 8.12 as outer darkness where there's weeping and grinding of teeth. So the darkness is the metaphor for the domain of ignorance, sin, wickedness and rebellion, the realm in which all fallen human beings live and move and have their being. That is the target for the judgment of the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord comes in the night at the darkness. But notice verse 4 again. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that the day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We're not of night nor of darkness. We're not in the darkness mentally. We're not in the darkness morally. We won't be in the darkness eschatologically, and we will never be in the darkness eternally the day will not overtake us like a thief in the night the day of the Lord is not for us listen to a verse from the prophet Amos chapter 5 will not the day of the Lord be darkness instead of light even gloom with no brightness in it that's the day of the Lord it's the day of darkness and it falls on the kingdom of darkness. Believers have nothing to fear. We're not in the darkness. Go to verse 5. You are all sons of light and sons of day. The term sons of light first came from the lips of Jesus. Luke 16:8, John 12:36. We're not night people, we're day people. We're not darkness people, we're light people. And by the way, the all is there. You are all sons of light and sons of day. Now what does it mean to be the son of something? Well, it's a Hebraic kind of expression. A man or a woman would be said to be the son of any influence that dominated that person's life or characterized their nature. In the Old Testament, you have sons of Belial, Belial being a term for Satan. Certain people are called sons of Belial because they have behaved in a way that is consistent with Satan. You remember that James and John were called by our Lord sons of thunder because their behavior was thunderous, judgmental assault on certain people in a village with whom they were unhappy for the lack of hospitality. That was not the only time. The Sons of Thunder wasn't a new name for them. They'd had it for a long time. A kind of thundering brashness and boldness characterized them. In Acts chapter 4, verse 36, you meet a man who is called a son of comfort, a son of consolation. Which is to say that the dominating characteristic of the man is is comfort. Whatever characterizes your nature, whatever influence sort of dominates your life, you can be identified in Hebrew terms as a son of that. You could be a son of love, a son of kindness. You could be a son of anger. We, as believers, live in the realm of light. We are destined for eternal light. We are destined for heaven's glorious light. And just to give you a preview of that, listen to Revelation 21. And uh, we can pick it up in verse 22. John has a vision of heaven. I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. In the daytime, for there will be no night there, its gates will never be closed, and they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean, and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then He showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb in the middle of its street. On either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the well-being of the nations. There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His slaves will serve Him, and they will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and there will no longer be any night. And they will have no need of the light of a lamp nor the light of the sun because the Lord God will illumine them and they will reign forever and ever. We're headed for eternal light. We are the people of light. We are the children of light. This is our nature. And when we finally become everything that we are designed to be, it will be forever living in the kingdom of light. As if to double down on the idea... The Apostle Paul says, and we are sons of day. We are day children. We are light children. We are day children. Therefore, we are not of night nor of darkness. Very emphatic. We live in a completely different sphere of life than those who will be caught in the day of the Lord and suffer the wrath of God. Sin has no dominion over us. We have been brought into the light by Christ who is the light who has taken up presence in us and therefore the light shines in us and through us. We have seen the light of the glory of the, of the gospel shining in the face of Jesus Christ and He lives within us. We are now the children of light who are letting our light so shine that men may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. We are lights shining in the world, Paul says to the Philippians. We are the light people. The day of the Lord has nothing to do with us. We are different. We have died to the old kingdom and the old life. We used to be slaves of sin, Romans six, and now we're slaves of righteousness. If any man is in Christ he's a new creation. Second Corinthians five seventeen, Galatians six fifteen says, We are a new creation. Ephesians says we've literally been recreated for good works. Colossians 3.3 3 says we've died in Christ and now we've risen and our life is hidden with Christ in God. We are people of the light. We are the light people. Sons of light. Sons of the day. So don't be anxious. Don't fear the coming of the day of the Lord and judgment. It's not going to be your experience. We're going to be caught up before that happens, before that begins, into glorious heavenly light. So the distinctiveness of our nature is his first reason. There are two more. Let me just introduce the second one. We'll finish it up next time. The distinctiveness of our behavior. The distinctiveness of our behavior. This follows very obviously. So then, verse 6, so then, since we are sons of light, sons of day... Since we're not of the night, not of the darkness, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep, do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet the hope of salvation. He says, let us, several times. Now that we know what our nature is, let's talk about our behavior. So then, we need to act like children of light. We are in the light. The light is in us. We are in Christ and in Him there is no darkness at all. 1 John 1, we walk in the light as Christ is the light. So we are people of the light. Because we have been delivered from the domain of darkness, rescued out of the night of sin and ignorance and rebellion, it would be ridiculous for us to behave like the night people. There's no place for nightlife among day people. There's no place for nightlife among day people. Turn to Romans thirteen, and that would be a good place for us to wrap up this morning. Romans thirteen eleven and we'll talk a little more about this next week, the same text, but I want to introduce it to you Romans thirteen eleven do this, very direct instruction. Do this, knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep, for now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. And In other words, the Lord's coming, or our death, is nearer than it's ever been. The night is almost gone. The day is near. That's the day when either we're in heaven or the Lord comes to set up His kingdom. The day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. What does that mean? What do you mean by that? Let us behave properly as in the day, like day people. Not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. When you were in the darkness, when you were part of the night people, you did whatever your lusts told you to do. The darkness is where the deeds of darkness take place. The darkness is where carousing and drunkenness and sexual promiscuity and sensuality and strife and jealousy take place. We're children of the light. We're not children of the darkness. So he reminds us in verse 12, Put on the armor of light. Wear the uniform that fits your nature. What do you mean, put on the armor of light? Pretty clear. Go down to verse 14. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. What does it mean to put on the armor of light? To put on Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It means to act like Him. He is the light. The armor is Christ-likeness. Behave as He would. There's no place again for nightlife among day people. Put on the armor of light, which is to say, put on the one who is the light, the Lord Jesus Christ, and as a result, you will make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. We are the day people. We are the people of light. We need to live like it so the world can see that light. Father, we thank you for leading us this morning in such a rich and wonderful time of worship together. Thank you again for songs of praise and worship. Thank you for your precious Word above all things which shows us your person, your character, which reveals in fullness the light. We know You are light. Christ is light. And He has brought us into the kingdom of light to be the children of light, to shine as lights in the world. We are are those who know the truth and are called to live holy lives. May our light so shine that men may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. We're so sad about those who claim to be Christians and whose lives are characterized by nightlife. Those who claim to be day people but live like they were in the darkness. How they dishonor you. Lord, may we be truly children of light. Manifestly children of light. That's what you desire of us. That gives you glory.
3: You've been listening to John MacArthur, Bible Teacher with Grace to You. For free access to all of John's lessons and a listing of study Bibles and books available for sale, visit Grace to You's website at gty.org. And for details about the Masters University where John serves as president, go to masters.edu. John MacArthur and Grace to You reserve all copyright protection under applicable law. Our copyright policy is available at gty.org, and it includes instructions for and limitations on duplicating this digital file.
1: This little light, this little light, gonna let it shine, let it shine, gonna let it shine, let it shine this little light.
5: This is Ken Ham, author, speaker, and blogger on science and the Bible's reliability. When we burn coal, we're burning the remains of dead plants. Now, this vegetation was buried sometime in the past, and it was turned into coal by heat and pressure. But how long ago did these plants live, and how long did it take to convert them into coal? Well, that depends on your starting point. You see, if you start with old earth ideas, it took millions of years of slow processes. But when scientists copy these natural processes today in a lab, it only takes a few months. Starting with the Bible's history, we know there was a global flood. It would have buried trillions of tons of vegetation. Heat and pressure then converted it into coal over a matter of just months.
0: Subscribe to receive free insights from Ken Ham. Delivered to your email inbox each day when you visit us at AnswersRadio.com. There's so much more at AnswersRadio.com.
1: we
5: 14 in coal this is ken ham an author of the children's book series called the answers books for kids those who believe in an old earth say it took millions of years to produce all the coal we have today now scientists often use carbon 14 dating to date once living things they believe are tens of thousands of years old but carbon 14 decays quickly Anything supposedly older than about 90,000 years shouldn't have any carbon-14 left in it. But scientists have discovered carbon-14 in coal deposits. This coal can't be millions of years old or all the carbon-14 would be gone. The Bible gives us a true age for coal. Most of the deposits formed during the flood about 4,000 years ago.
0: Listen to this program again or view a transcript when you visit our website at AnswersRadio.com. You'll discover answers to questions of the age of the earth at AnswersRadio.com.
5: of creation this is ken ham on a mission to strengthen the global church with god's word in genesis 1 we're told that mankind was created to rule over god's creation now all through scripture we see god's loving care toward what he's made including the plants and animals the testimony of scripture is that we're stewards of creation he's entrusted it to us as his image bearers and we need to take that responsibility seriously Some Christians claim it doesn't matter what we do to the earth because Jesus is returning and creating a new one anyway. But Jesus told us to do business until he comes. And this includes continuing the stewardship mandate he gave us. People should always come first, but Christians should be leaders in caring for the environment.
0: Be encouraged to trust God's Word and think biblically when you visit us at AnswersRadio.com. There's so much more to learn and discover when you go to AnswersRadio.com. <speaking in English>
1: Bob.
5: of creation. This is Ken Ham on a mission to strengthen the global church with God's word. In Genesis 1, we're told that mankind was created to rule over God's creation. Now all through scripture, we see God's loving care toward what he's made, including the plants and animals. The testimony of scripture is that we're stewards of creation. He's entrusted it to us as his image bearers, and we need to take that responsibility seriously. Some Christians claim it doesn't matter what we do to the earth because Jesus is returning and creating a new one anyway. But Jesus told us to do business until he comes. And this includes continuing the stewardship mandate he gave us. People should always come first, but Christians should be leaders in caring for the environment.
0: Be encouraged to trust God's Word and think biblically when you visit us at AnswersRadio.com. There's so much more to learn and discover when you go to AnswersRadio.com.
1: do my best
2: s-h-g-u-i-s dot c-m gofishguide.com and I'll hear from his album Still Jesus called One Day
6: Yeah Demanded to abandon in the ocean stranded Surrounded by the waves of your weariness Some things you only learn from age and experience And it's plain to me that all the famous men you see The time is coming when they will be a faded memory Cause one day you hot, the next day you not One day you on top, next day you get dropped Yeah, what in the world was your mind thinking? You couldn't see the standard of time sinking. Cause one day you hot, the next day you not. One day you on top, next day you get dropped. Yeah. Better plan for the future, kid. Time catches up to everyone, no matter who yeah. it is. Whatever happened to so-and-so, that's what they wanna know. Eventually we learn that they all come and go. Today's rising star, tomorrow dies with scars. Today they all struck, tomorrow you washed up. I remember watching Jordan's Hall of Fame speech. Cause one day you hot, the next day you not One day you on top, next day you get dropped, yeah What in the world was your mind thinking? You couldn't see the sand of time sinking Cause one day you hot, the next day you not one day you on top, next day you get dropped, yeah Better plan for the future, kid Time catches up to everyone, no matter who it is What I'm speaking on is seriously welcomed by the few Even no experience to tell you that it's true On your radio station, this won't be found on the playlist Wisdom, the sound of the sages, resounding for ages The older I get, I notice it The whole of the script, hmm, it's found in the pages The holy writ, not the cash speech of the reverence, But what a man sees under heaven Ecclesiastes, 111 No matter who you are, death aims to stop ya. Whether banker, doctor, or Frank Sinatra Before your time is done, meet the timeless one The dying, death-defying, rising, shining sun King Jesus, astounds and amazes He pounded the pavement to save those who were bound to their cages So let us praise the one who made the Everglades Our debt was paid, so in glory we'll never fade Never fade, never fade Let me start this off with a hallelujah to Jesus, the sovereign ruler. This is not a rumor. Got the truth, so we about to school you. Check out a style maneuver. Shout it to you like the loudest group of Christ. put us up from out the sewer. We don't have to doubt the future. Cracking our verses as we bask in His worship. You asking the purpose? Partly to fetch cash from the furnace. Through Jesus' extravagant service. Immaculate purchase. He was smashing the serpent and we only scratching the
1: surface. He the conceived in the womb of a virgin. The sun emerges in the manger while the angels serenade him the birth of the savior the greater and became a man came as a lamb and would be executed to execute the plan to substitute the sand in the place of the wicked on the cross he was lifted but we Considered him stricken and afflicted Just like the prophets predicted He came at the proper moment To stop his opponent And lay down his life to offer atonement He's the most magnificent The total antithesis of insufficiency The blessed, the glorious, splendid transcendent, difficult to comprehend Independent of space and time but presently present, Suspending the heavens with speech From coast to coast He speaks peace to wind and seas Got heavenly hosts Easily posted on bended knees Controls the cosmos With the most authority So we both in the most exalted King Christ supreme Jesus the awesome killer, the law fulfiller, the solemn killer, the fraud villain, no goddess you yeah We can take any time in the scripture, put the gate it's a prominent picture See his light shining right in the night and his fright in the might and in the diamond mixture See his name at
7: all the Ronaldo When he came for the loss that he found, low. He was tamed in floss all around but remained for the manger, to cross or the crown Yo, Satan had a shirt pulled on him, price for the rope, but doping in R to the eyes, to the S to the E the N, that's what we hoping in Written on it, spell check the Rithin King can rinse clean the most rebellious I was L-bound, now I'm spellbound. Word is born, I'm a born servant to the word of Oh, uh, call me a sellout. I was spot with a price. We gotta hope that won't fail us when we return to the dust. We will rise up just like the one who justified us. It's not wistful thinking when the truth's thinking. We are clinging to the promises that God bringing an everlasting kingdom. Nothing can compare to the worth of what we inherited. Nothing in heaven known earth can measure what Christ
1: merited. The skies declare the affairs of his glorious care. The God who is there, who's aware who the lights in our prayer. His purposes are permanent and perfectly proportionate. Everything that orbits around his glory. Subordinate. He is the most excellent one, intrinsic, infinite son, preeminent, the name par excellence, prenom, phenomenon. He's beyond
6: phenomenon, you see, the father of cosmology, the Abba of astronomy. He's part of we, of pottery. It's shocking Jesus died for me. The father, he adopted me and constantly provides for me. Whether or not I got degrees, you gotta see his odyssey. From sovereignty and lottery, to poverty and robbery, to resurrected bodily apocalyptic prophecy. He's stopping all the mockery and scholarly snobbery that don't acknowledge him properly. You ought to be on bended before the preeminent It's awfully arrogant To reject them to your detriment Study the development From Old and New Testament You'll find a theme that's prevalent From age to age it's relevant Prices on its center stage Forget religious
1: sentiments The center on man But something less than what you're settling He is the most excellent exercising benevolence And blessing a remnant With the benefits of his inheritance yeah. The sin of sinners That separated and segregated That severed the relations Between man and his maker And placed Christ on his costly cross And compensated his life Death and Resurrection, Emancipated and gave us freedom from it all, freedom from the effects of the fall, freedom from Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden and from the law. So the saints stand and applaud his grace and glorious cause with hands raised, praising his name, singing glory to God. <laughs> is
2: Supreme. That was Supreme By Shylan Featuring beautiful Eulogy. And next we're going to have Something from Wretched This is Paul Washer with you Are either an enemy or a child of God
8: I've got good news for you, and I've got bad news for you. The good news is God is here. The bad news is God is here. Now, whether it's good or bad depends on what side of the line you're standing on. And believe you me, you're not standing in the middle. You are either His or not His by choice and by rebellion. And don't allow yourself to blame God for your own refusal to surrender your life to Him. Don't talk to me about the sovereignty of God. Don't talk to me about prior regeneration because the Scriptures won't allow you to talk that way because it says today, if you find yourself outside of Christ, repent and believe the gospel. No matter how old you are, no matter how young, throw yourself on Christ.
9: And if you have not done that yet, please do not fall for the postmodern lie that says,
8: well, there's no
9: line in the sand.
8: You say, but Brother Paul, I'm not really a child of God yet, but I'm not an enemy. You're one or the other. There's no middle ground. I'm sorry. You are one or the other. You are either a child of God or you are an enemy of God. Because the only thing that changes the category for you is what you do with Jesus. And if you've done nothing with him, if you stall, if you delay, if you simply admire him and ponder over him, and maybe even to some degree you delight in him, but you have not given your life to him, you are an enemy.
9: Jesus talked a lot about true and false conversions. Read Luke 10 all the way through 19. Parable after parable after parable. There are true converts. There are false converts. There are wise virgins. There are foolish virgins. There are wheat. There are tares. There are good fish, and there are rotten fish. In other words, Jesus was very concerned about false Christianity and false converts. And these days, perhaps more than ever in the church's history, we are seeing more rotten fish sprinkled among the good fish than ever before right inside of the church.
8: Right now, in this building, I do not know who is an enemy of Christ. You may be hiding within a godly church. You may be hiding within a godly family. And yet know this, everyone in the world may think you're Christian, but his hand will find you out.
9: When will that happen? The answer is, you never know. Today could be the day you take your last breath. Are you prepared to meet the king?
8: As much as God loves righteousness, he hates unrighteousness. As much as he loves his people and as much as he still holds out an olive branch of peace to the wicked, there will come a day when love will say no more and mercy will withdraw its hand and no longer hold back the wrath of God and in that moment you will be eternally destroyed, eternally consumed by the wrath of Almighty God every scent, for every thought, every word, every deed, everything you should not have done, and you did, and everything you should have done, and you did not do.
9: There will be a day of reckoning, and it is going to be far more terrifying than A pastor who just ziplined into a church. Perhaps you're one of the millions of people who have watched this Sunday service of a pastor wanting to encourage his congregation that Jesus is coming back. So how does he do that? He said, well, you know, I wanted to do more than just talk. Hold on. That's God's means of communication. The word of God is to be proclaimed, and skits and stunts should not supplement it somehow. This fellow ziplined into the church. Man, that is so 2013. And it was so tame, and it was so lame. The guy just comes on his little zipline. Hey, this is look up, because Jesus is coming back. That is. <laughs> hardly the calm that will be covering the planet when Jesus returns. It is going to be terrifying. People will shake, they will quake, they will tremble, because the little baby born in a manger is coming back as the Lion of Judah to judge the world in righteousness, and it is a terrible thing
8: to fall into the hands of the living God. Can you imagine, bold sinner, when you're walking down the corridors to enter into the judgment throne room of God and you're with your chest out, bold and mighty, thinking that you're going to withstand this God in a debate, that you're going to prove your innocence, and as you're drawing near, you see angels that could consume the world, running the other way in abject terror from the face of the one that you're going to have to face. Without Christ, without his blood, you will not be delivered. And this time, it is not an angel of death coming through Egypt. This time, it's
9: God. What is man's biggest problem? It's not overdue bills, a tenuous work situation, prodigal children, or disease. Our biggest problem is the babe born in a manger. Why? Because God was sending his son to save us from himself, God's son to this planet, to be a sacrifice for sinners, to redeem sinners, to buy back sinners, to adopt sinners into his own family. And that very same Savior spent a lot of time talking about Judgment Day That there will be a day of reckoning And those who are in Christ Will be spared from the wrath Of their biggest problem But those who are not in Christ uh,
8: Not so much And don't think that on that day Christ will stand up and oppose his father Because you have rejected Christ Remember Psalms chapter 2 That the Messiah, the King when he is rejected, his anger is also
7: great.
9: Kiss the son, lest he be angry.
2: That is from Wretched and CS yes, Hawasher and Tashville and you find it on Wretched on their YouTube page, W R. E. T. C. H. E. D. And also Wretched dot They got their they got a radio show and a TV show. And find it at Wretched dot org. W. R. E. T. C. H. E. D. dot And here's the meaningless controller here on True toll Radio. And I'm gonna do another one from Shylan. This is called Random Thoughts Street here on Truth Be Told Radio.
6: Yeah, soli Deo Gloria. <laughs> it's like deja vu, right? <laughs> Yeah, I'm back, but nobody was asking where I've been, because Christ in the music is no longer the hot trend. Logic says, well, maybe I should just stop then, but I never got into this for a spot in the top ten. I do this for one reason, Jesus, the true king, son, to help God's elect obey Hebrews 3.1. And though the rap world is ever crowded, if heaven allows it, I'll keep writing for the 7,000. I know you out there, I still get the emails, I guess the church of Christ, the gates of hell will never prevail. It's founded on the rock, and the gospel never stops, so we dropping the topic, whether it popular or not sin is not just toxic and the clock is going to stop God is not to be boxed with the wrath the God is burning hot we were locked in sin's closet our conflict was cosmic God plotted to stop and hit the demonic with a shot I was coughing narcotics agnostic with a plot no I for the knowledge of the God who often not Jesus rocked me with the gospel and it tied me up and knocked So I hopped in the rocket and met the prophet at the top Yo, that's just another way of saying I met God in the scriptures But we're just gonna let that breathe for a second, you know what I mean? The Bible says he has been forgiven much, loves much We're gonna talk about BC a little bit he was total, not small like Pops. I was chained to sin, I couldn't take off the locks. I thought I was a player, a mask with the flavor. Say so I know what the time is, but I ain't bet Isaiah. I would chuckle daily as I paid for disgrace. My eyes were always puffy like I got sprayed with mace. I would toot my horn at parties and I would do bars. Got so intoxicated I was ready to do Mars. Notorious for acting pretty silly in my city Philly. Friends hear about it and be like, Whoa, did he really? Because I played dirty, Bill Lambier style. Through great mercy, spirit filled and dear child, went from so gritty to headed to a gold city. In Christ I shine, the world's like no biggie. Whatever time to sing, I'm putting faith on the song. 112 displayed in John, the way to respond. When his patience runs out, then it's time for the rod, man. Microwave wrath the God, fam that's why because of Christ I got mad joy. All I'm saying is I used to be a bad boy, <laughs> but nowadays I'm regenerated, born again from above, fam. How else can I say it? Went from various vices to a kid that's married to Christ, using literary devices to spit is very precise. My conversion to the Master was so dramatic. I just wanted to be an ambassador or fanatic. The gospel was my tonic. With Christ I couldn't lose, but to walk with God like Enoch, I knew I couldn't cruise. This walk is a beast, but nothing's greater than the cross. Saw the mark of the East and the. Race of the laws, while power records was choosing the carry G Unit. I was on that revolutionary theme music. The brothers from the Lou held it down as well. But we noticed a big shift in 2012. Around the time Jackie asked me about Calvinism, Christian hip hop found a different algorithm and crossed over. Without taking the crossover, made us all over. Years later, is it all over? Trip asked me if I was still motivated. I was quiet, but I wanted to say, No, I hate it. Cause brothers in your camp causing lots of confusion. I love them. As Brothers in Christ, but not their conclusions They want to reach the world by all means Keep pursuing it, but tell me, why they gotta diss the church? Why they doing it? That's what I wanted to say, but I ain't say it though But no more laying low, I want them to play it slow, and I ain't dissing them My prayers are the proof, like Boaz without Ruth is unity without truth C.H.H. is like gorillas in the mist With no brotherly love, it's like Philly don't exist, what's happening here? It's a different atmosphere, cats appear most concerned about a rap career Brothers overseas being slain in Understand. While we're vein in our plan, taking fame and some fans, and I ain't got time to philosophize. Satan got a plot device. I'm seeing lots of guys apostatize. On top of all that, Donald Trump's the president. It's all good though, cause he's the Trump's the president. So, more than ever, I'm trying to rep the Lord who bled. And we ain't never gonna stop. Word the Corey Red. I'm just trying to give a healthy demonstration of theocentric music for the selfie generation. See, the problem is sin, no riddle in it. Cause all sin got eye in the middle of it. We're mad to
1: and truly evil, we need to be born again without a Matt Damon movie sequel. In the gospel, God attracts our depravity. the lamb slain
6: at Calvary, the depths of his agony. He rose from the grave with the funding grace and so when we come in faith. He'll bring us up from the sunken place, our sins decrepit. depths, left the mess, no rest was left till Jesus put death to death. The beauty of the victory truly is a mystery. The cross of Jesus Christ is at the nucleus of history. Before the cross, they were saved on credit. After the cross, we've been saved on debit. Since our champion in the great war suffered We're going to proclaim the death like the Lord suffer. So welcome to the Still Jesus Project Yo, we just getting started and we got a lot left uh, uh.
1: No way.
2: you wanna find our website, go to TruffyTollradio.com T R U T H V E T O L D R A D I O dot C M. TruffyTollradio And now here's shylin with the song called Stand Up
6: Hey yo, they said it was over, man. They said it was over But it ain't over. we just getting started. Yo, 7,000, we all at. Let's go. Stand up, stand up. If you truly love the son of man, trust. Jesus is alive and his people he'll revive. And his fame is going to spread across the land. What's up? Stand up, stand up. Does anybody love the son of man? Trust. Jesus is the king, so his people we will sing. And forever stay worthy is the land. What's up? Surprise, no surprise. I'm back in your section. With Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. resurrection. More power than gravity, his knowledge and strategies confound the academy. Bow to his majesty, he paid sin's salary, took up blame on, on Calvary. Calvary. Those who love his name spread his fame as the policy. All eyes on the match of Christ of his sacrifice. That's why I'm master Christ and rise. rise in the afterlife. What, did we forget about the holiness of God or something? Did we forget that God owes us a ride or something? See the snake bruise when Christ came to save dudes who hate truth. The gospel is not fake news. Our debt is. The gospel sweeter than it's ever been. Ain't nothing changed medicine. We got the medicine. It's still human emergency. The serpent attack. You think Jesus can't save? That's alternative facts. Stand up, stand up. If you truly love the Son of Man, trust. Jesus is alive and his people he'll revive and his fame is going to spread across the land. What's up? Stand up, stand up. Does anybody love the Son of Man? Trust. Jesus is the King, so it's to my composition. Lots of rhythm but not traditional, kind of different. But God's consistent, no contradiction, my proposition. Through crucifixion, he mocked and crippled his opposition. It's not some fiction I'm spitting, the Son of God is risen. And my incentive for godly living is I'm forgiven. Jesus came to unlock the prison. And through the Spirit, he brings a new birth like an obstetrician. At times I listen, to a lot of Christian hip-hop is missing. The proposition is my suspicion we drop the mission. Not to this, but the Word of God is, it not sufficient. The doctrine is that the gospel fixes our shot Condition. God the Spirit supplies conviction through proper diction Against the backdrop of our tradition, the gospel glistens A squad of Christians go out and witness a God's commission Cause Jesus Christ got the top position, no competition Stand up, hands up, if you truly love the Son of Man Trust, Jesus is alive and his people he'll revive And his fame is gonna spread across the land What's up? Stand up, hands up Does anybody love the Son of Man? Trust, Jesus is the king. So want Jesus in the background like elevator music, but we gon' celebrate him, relegate him, we refuse it. They hate Christian hip-hop, I peep myself. They say we too redundant, well let me repeat myself. What I gotta say almost feels too real estate. Sit back and feel the weight of what a real estate. Cause yo, Jesus Christ got me in the real estate. I'm purchased property, I feel like I'm real estate. If the father wasn't gracious, no synonym. Again. He came straight blameless, no synonym. Again. Nothing's been the same since, no synonym. not Fakers lack his fragrance, no sin in them. This is not the picture in a frame, the still Jesus. Nah, we serve the rock, the harder than still Jesus. So how are we going to be silent? Let the world still Jesus. When the world and its trends pass away, it's still Jesus. Then, up, bend up. If you truly love the Son of Man,
1: trust Jesus is alive and his people he'll revive and his fame is gonna spread across the.
2: That, once again, that stand up by in. And next we have another thing from Wretched and this is called Who Should God Forgive on oh, Truthy Tori. Right?
7: You seem to boil down the, or I, I don't mean that disrespectfully at all, but you seem to boil down that the, for the people who did not receive the message either due to geographic or historical isolation, that what saves them is some type of admission of deism that just acknowledge that there's possibly some type of creative force. But it seems to me that the parameters for salvation in Christianity aren't that simple. You have to place your faith in this very specific figure, Christ, right. and you have to place your faith that he sacrificed himself for your sins. It's a, you, know, you have to know the story to know that. Yes. So how do people who were completely isolated by geography possibly know that just for an example the americas were completely cut off from the christ story until the europeans showed up in 1492 wow, right. how did people who were isolated for thousands of years conjure up the story of christ and save themselves all right i'm going to go really deep on this one you mm. seem
9: like a smart guy so just bear with me for a moment mm. all right i want to i want to ask you a deeper question mm. who do you think god should forgive and grant everlasting life to? In what sense? Who do you think is owed forgiveness
7: and everlasting life from God? Well, the Christian theological sense would be nobody, but that sounds a lot like Calvinism, where God chose some people to be saved and not others and denied them knowledge. Well, we can can debate Calvinism in a moment, Mm -hmm. but the question
9: is, who do you Because th- your, your, your question is, is loaded with a presupposition. Mm-hmm. God shouldn't punish anybody. I would say to you, God shouldn't save anybody.
1: Mm-hmm. He doesn't
9: owe any of us grace. He doesn't owe this generation, 10 generations, this Zip code or Cambodia. He doesn't owe anybody forgiveness. Mm-hmm. So your question reveals, you think that we should be rewarded by God my presupposition is oh no we shouldn't and it is a massive movement of grace that saves even one person let alone the millions and billions who have been saved i'm sorry tell me your name again please ben ben you didn't tell me before All right, Sorry, ben ben look god right now is screaming for you in two ways this universe The intricate design, the flora, the fauna, all of it is testifying to you, Ben. I exist. And he's pleading with you through this guy, who I hope you don't find offensive. I don't. pleading with you to come to the knowledge of the truth that Jesus Christ died for you, and the offer of forgiveness is the kindest thing that any being has ever done for anyone. Now, do you receive that sermon? No. Right, that's my point. See, people don't want to hear that.
7: Well, actually my point is that why do I deserve to be born at this place at this time where I don't. can get full knowledge of Christ don't. and save my soul you whereas don't. had I been born a thousand years ago in South America, I would have no chance of saving my soul. Right. I would have no knowledge of Christ throughout my entire life. So how is that justice? How can I be sent to hell for something I did not know and had no possibility well, of knowing? Okay. That
9: was that was that was that was a double barreled shot you just took. All mm-hmm. right. Let me do the first barrel. You don't deserve to be born at this time. God is kind to you, Ben. Right, God but Why is me, and me and not all the that other is, people. Boy, that's 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 an old gospel song. Why me, Lord? What have I ever done to deserve even one of the kindness you've shown? We don't deserve it. Now, you made another the other barrel was that the people from a thousand years ago, your claim again goes back to the original. You think that they that they were worthy of they shouldn't be punished by being sent to hell. And what I'm saying to you is we all deserve it god should send all of us to hell that is what we have earned for ourselves they don't deserve a free pass they have knowingly with their conscience bearing witness to the truth that god exists the knowledge of god written in our dna that's why we see so many people trying to figure out who god is but they don't deserve heaven because they haven't done good they've knowingly rebelled against god that is why they deserve to go to hell. Not because they were born at a dark time or but
7: they didn't not, have the blessings. The point is not that they deserve to go to hell because so they were born. you're making an accusation right? against God. He didn't do this right. Yes. Everybody's sharing the same better. knowledge. Okay. If you don't why? have that knowledge, you have no why? chance of saving your soul. Very first question, remember? Mm-hmm. So who is it that
9: deserves to hear this message of grace in Jesus Christ? Nobody. Everybody. You don't have a choice if Nobody you don't deserves know it. it.
7: You can't save your soul if you don't have this knowledge. Okay, you're assuming God owes. Us something. Again, if he's merciful and loving and fair, he would give people the knowledge to save their souls. He, well, he is merciful and loving
9: and he's fair. And that means he lovingly the send lawbreaker. them to
7: hell for not knowing about Jesus, who information of wouldn't no, reach till no, 1500. No, not, not exactly. I, 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 I don't quite agree
9: with that. He sends people to hell not because they don't believe in Jesus, he sends them to hell because they knowingly sin against him. Mm-hmm. That's why they go to hell. Right. Faith in Christ saves you from that, but you don't go to hell
7: because you haven't confessed Christ. You go to hell because you're a lawbreaker. Right, and my point is how can they save their souls without knowledge of Christ? It is not a simple admission of deism, just recognize intelligent design and creation. It's a very specific story about a very specific being, and you have to accept it with faith in your heart. If you don't have that and wouldn't have it for a thousand years, how could somebody possibly save their soul? And how do you recognize that a morally just God would send them to hell for not knowing that information or for not being able to wash away their discretions without that information, if yeah. you prefer yeah, look, before I try to respond let me just tell you
9: what you're asking is important and it's mm-hmm. good, I believe that Christianity has the answer, it is a hard answer okay, and the reason is because we just, this idea of hell we don't like it, because it's like yikes, it's so say it's, extric- extric- it's sadism and everyone knows it deep down okay? so it's, it's a bad place nobody wants to go there so with that, with that presupposition, we suddenly start accusing
7: God, you shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't send anybody to hell is what you're saying. No, I'm saying that people should have the knowledge required to save okay. their souls, and sending them to hell without that knowledge is very unjust. Okay, again, it's not because of the knowledge,
9: it's because of their sins.
7: But No, God, but that's what's required to save you. You have no chance if you I don't understand. have that knowledge. All
9: right, let me, get, let me give it a go, Ben. What is it about us
7: that God owes us the knowledge of Jesus Christ? If he's punishing them eternally for not having her, if he's punishing them eternally for discretions and denying them the knowledge that could have saved their soul that he gave to other people, I would say it's fair to give everyone that knowledge and give them a chance to save their okay. soul. Okay, all right. Well, then we disagree, okay? Because the Bible says something different, that it's not
9: incumbent upon God To save a single person. Mm -hmm. And I think that's sadistic and is not merciful in any
7: way. I I,
9: I understand how you feel that way. I hope that at least I've given you something to think about. Fair enough? Thank you. All right, Ben. See ya.
2: Once again, that's Who Should God Forgive on Wretched at their YouTube page. But they also have. website, wretched.org, 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 and, let's see, oh, that's all I got for the show today, I'm going to go out with Yancy and friends with the VFLE, bye for now.